Amen. What's up, Rock Church? Someone say, Jesus. Jesus. Can I have all y'all stand up? I want to say hello to everybody watching, all our campuses. Everyone say San Ysidro. San Ysidro. Say City Heights. City Heights. Say East County. East County. Say North County. North County. Say Juvenile Hall. Juvenile. God bless all y'all out there. God bless y'all. And we have a special guest. I'm going to say hi to Kathy Gibbons out in uh, Massachusetts. What's up, Kathy? How in Boston? How Let's give all Kathy a big hand. God bless y'all. What's up? Um, before I pray, um, I don't know if you've heard, there's a shooting in Baton Rouge. There were seven police officers shot. Uh, as far as right now, there's three that have been killed. And we need to pray for a miracle in this country. Um, um, we need God. As a country, we've pushed God out. We are now reaping what we have sown. And with new leadership coming that don't seem to be drawing us closer to God, we need to pray for a miracle um, at the top, but also in our own hearts. Um, because the devil has a plan and he's laying out his plan. God has a plan. And we need to make sure we are very clear about our role and place in God's plan. Part of it's what I'm going to talk about today, ironically, but for all of us and as the people of God that we stay on our knees and we stay close to the Lord and we stay dependent on him, reading the Bible. We, the reason we have life class and, and life groups so you can be grounded in something and not just attending once a week, but you're involved. Uh, it, it's very critical because uh, darkness is taking over uh, when you're ambushing police and uh, and. And it's, murder, and it's just murder both ways, right? Uh, we just want to make sure that um, we as a people of God are on our knees before him. Amen? Let's get on our knees. Let's physically get on our knees. Lord, we, uh, we recognize that we are in a very sensitive time in our history where there's killings going on. People are dying. And Lord, we pray for your mercy. We pray there will be no more killings. We pray for peace. We pray against fear. Lord, as a people of God, we come before you and ask that you open up the heavens and pour out your Holy Spirit on our country, on our leadership, and that as you, as evil permeates our streets and the hearts of people and fear, we pray we return to Jesus. And this will be a watershed moment for the church to rise up and for revival to out, break out in our land. We know laws are not going to change people's hearts. Though they are important, we need the Spirit of God to transform people's hearts. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give someone next, next to you a high five.
Let me just say something real quick. Last week I was supposed to start this series and I didn't because of the shootings and I don't want to derail it again this week. But I do want to say something um, summarizing last week. If you weren't here, I, I encourage you to get the message that as people of God, there is a battle going on in the natural world and the devil's trying to get you to take sides to make sure that your side is Jesus' side and that you are praying for all involved. There is no completely innocent and guilty side. We have to be at the feet of Christ saying, Lord, you settle it. Lord, you bring peace. Lord, you bring justice. Lord, you give us wisdom for unity. I just want to encourage you now because my heart's broken over what I see the devil doing and how he's causing division in the communities and anger of people and the devil standing over here and no one acknowledges him. It's him, it's him, it's him. When really it's the devil. He's the enemy. And so we have to, we have to keep in our, in, in our hearts. It doesn't, it doesn't absolve man from being wrong. Man does wrong. But the ultimate enemy is the devil. And, the, and, and he is fought on a spiritual level. So we need to pray for revival in people's hearts. Because this is, this, is, this is going in a very bad, bad place. Amen? Okay, that's enough. I want to, let's get to this. On three, uh, lift your Bibles up and say word. On three, one, two, three, say word. word. One more time, say word. word. Turn to uh, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. It is about the 10th, or 10th book of the Bible, 11th book of the Bible or so. Galatians chapter 4. I um, got saved and co- committed my life to the Lord for real in 1984, April 12, 1984. And I have been sharing my faith aggressively since 1984. Talking to people in prisons, on the street, on the plane, the airport, bus stop, wherever I can find somebody, I would talk to them about Jesus. And most people that I share the gospel with, and I say most as well over half, would get saved. I was in the prison juvenile hall here in San Diego many years ago talking to a white supremacist kid. I used to go there all the time. And the coaches or the staff, they called them coaches at the time, said, can you come talk to this kid? But we need to tell you he's a white supremacist. I said, I don't care. Went in, talked to him. He cursed me out, called me N-word as I walked out yelling down the hall at me. And, and I went back the next week and he got saved. Why? Because people need God. And people, and, and our hearts know they need God. And I, what I've discovered over the years, not that I needed to discover it because the Bible says so, is that everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be free from their own sin and have a relationship with God. That's just a fact. We yearn it. We just have created different ways of trying to get there. Many of them fail. This book right here, is the story of God's relationship with man. It's in your notes. You want to write this down. When you see or think of the Bible or pick up the Bible or talk about the Bible or hear someone talking about the Bible, you will hear it described in a lot of different ways. But what you need to know that this book is the story of God's relationship with man. God wants to have a relationship with you. And you cannot create your own way to have a relationship with him. He's already told us. It's right here. And what I want to talk about in this series specifically today is what the Bible is. Then we're going to talk about do we read it right? Do we understand it? How we can understand it better? Every week we're going to give you a devotional to practice what you learn on Sunday. If you're on our email list, you will get that. 
If you're not on our email list, get on the email list. You can check our Facebook page. You can check out all our social media. My personal social media will tell you how to get the devotional. But it's very important for us to understand today what this is. It is a story of God's relationship with you. What does that mean? That God wants to have a relationship with you. God did not create you to worship him. He already is being worshipped. And the worship that he receives from angels is way better than your worship. Trust me, he's not going to trade in angels, countless angels screaming at the top of their lungs, holy, holy, holy. He's not going to trade that in for this. Dear Holy Spirit, dear Holy <laughs> That's not what he created you for. He created you to have relationship. You have children so you can love them. That's why God made people. And the reason he made us in his image, so we can relate to him. That's it. This book tells that story. Don't make it any more complicated than that. And don't let people tell you, oh, man, wrote it and it's got all these errors in it. It is, it is the story of God's relationship with you. With you. We're going to talk about some of those things as well. But today, I just want you to understand this is the story of God's relationship with you. You need to read this book. Because every single one of you, whether you realize it or not, are in the story. But some of you are, are, are a villain in the story. You're not playing your role right. You're at odds with the author. And you're criticizing the book or you're hearing people talk about the story and misinterpret it. But you don't know the story, so you can't, you can't speak. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and God said to Adam, I mean, Satan said to Eve, what did God say? Well, if you don't read it, how are you going to know what God says? So if you hear someone on the radio that says something about the Bible or something on TV, talk radio or, or, or TV or, or TMZ and talk about what love is, what marriage is, what the Bible says, and you don't know it, you'll just believe what they tell you. You have to read the Bible. God said, I'm going to tell you what, you what you're here for and why you're here and how you got here. And so today I want to talk about just the story, just, one, just the, the Bible. And then we're going to talk in the coming weeks about how to understand and how to read it. Uh, let's start out by talking what the Bible isn't. Versus what the Bible is. If you look in your notes, the Bible isn't one book. It's not like a bunch of men stood down and said, let's write 1,189 chapters, 66 books. The Bible is 66 books, all anointed, inspired by the Spirit of God. 66 books. Everyone say 66 books. Written over 40, a 1,500-year period by 40 different authors on three different continents. And it's all coordinated by the Spirit of God. Remember, 66 books written over 1,500 years by 40 different people, so therefore they couldn't know each other. They didn't get in any room and conspire to write something. And they wrote about hundreds of topics. Some were fishermen, some were in prison, some were kings, some were nobles, some were in the field, some were uh, uh, in prison. And, and, and all these different people from all different walks of life wrote about all these hundreds of topics, and it's all coordinated. How, did that, how does that happen? Because the Spirit of God was the common thread through the whole authorship of the Bible. It's not one book. It's 66 books. The Bible isn't an answer book. It's the revelation of God. It's not with, oh, let me go find out. I want to buy a house. Let me what the Bible say. The Bible's not going to tell you how to buy a house. The Bible's not going to tell you who to marry. The Bible's going to describe the heart of God, the character of God, the plan of God. And from that, you're going to deduce, I shouldn't marry someone that's going to draw me away from God. By that, you should, should, should deduce, I should take care of the temple because this is where the Holy Spirit speaks. Someone say, well, can I, can I, does the Bible say I can't smoke cigarettes? They didn't have cigarettes, knucklehead. 
Does the Bible say it shouldn't smoke crack? No, they didn't have crack. The Bible says this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You would never walk into a church building smoking a cigarette. Why? Because you think God lives in the building. God, well, one, God is everywhere, but really where he lives is right here. But yet you'll put that stuff in you. This is a temple, not this. This is just a building. This is going to burn. This is going to live forever. And so the Bible isn't an answer book. It is a revelation of God. God created the heavens and the earth. There has to be a beginning. If you love science and you think science explains God away, you couldn't be more wrong. Science leads you to God. Science will tell you everything had to have a beginning. And it will tell you that everything had to have a beginner. And it will tell you that things that are organized had to have an organizer. And things that are creative and cre- had to have a creator. That's what science tells you. Well, if you look around, you see this stuff began. You see that it's beautiful, that it's organized, and that it's creative. The Bible says God created us to have a relationship with him. The Bible says and teaches us that man sinned. And because of sin, death came. What do we see? Death and sin. The Bible says that, that, that to pay for that sin, something had to die. God set up a law, and in the law you had to shed blood for forgiveness of sin. The Bible said that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, we'll look at it in a minute, to pay for our sin. And the Bible says in the end we get to be with God. There's going to be an amazing wedding in heaven. Ah, a wedding, huh, between a groom and a bride. That's what the Bible says. So that's what's going to happen. This is what the, this is what this is, so the Bible's not necessarily an answer book. It is the revelation of God. And now, in the revelation of God, you get all your answers. But sometimes your answers are just going to come from you understanding the heart of God. Well, should I talk about this person behind my back because they did this to me, or should I forgive them? You know, the Bible's going to tell you to love them as you would love be as you would love yourself. It's going to it's going to reveal to you. And the other says the other say the Bible is not written to us; it is written for us. Do you know that Paul did not write to you? If someone says, let me, let's say what Paul tells us. Paul ain't telling you anything. <laughs> Paul didn't write to you. He wrote for us. What does that mean? That Paul was writing to specific situations at that time to those people. Now, we learn about our life from what Paul said. We learn about life and God by what Moses wrote. But they wrote to them. They wrote to them. For us, here's how God acts. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Jewish young men at this time, they were kidnapped as little boys, but as young men were told that they didn't bow to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar, they get thrown in the fire. They said, we're not bowing, king. Do what you got to do. That's not in the Bible. That's just my interpretation of it. <laughs> Actually, it is in the Bible when he said, you know, I, I don't know the exact words, but he said, King, we're not bowing. Just go ahead. You know, if you're going to throw us in the fire, go ahead. But my interpretation is you do what you got to do. We're going to do what we got to do. We ain't bowing. So the king turned the fire up seven times, threw him in the fire, and the Lord Jesus, yes, the Lord Jesus jumped in the fire. So what do we learn from that story? <laughs> Trust God that God will got your back. And here's what they said, by the way. They said, King, even if we die, we're good. Well, good. What does that tell you? It tells you that God honors those who honor him. It doesn't tell you that if you get thrown in fire, you're going to live because other people, other people die because of their faith. You're like, well, why did they die and they not die? I don't know. But here's the thing. They're both in heaven. So you just got to know, God, you know what? There's no formula. I just got to trust you, huh? Yeah, huh? 
And lastly, the Bible is not words on paper. It's a living document. Woo! You can read this word, and, and, and if you just read it as information, you're missing the point. It's so much deeper than that. The Bible, the Bible, says, the Bible says that the Bible is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. To divide soul and spirit, bone and marrow. That means when you speak the word of God to yourself, to other people, the Bible does the work. We had a marriage retreat and one of our pastors came down. Uh, well, his, him and his wife were down at the altar and a, and a couple came down to pray. And this big dude with his wife came down, marriage, for counseling. And the pastor was praying for the big dude, you know, praying hard and, and just, you know, you got to do this. And, and here's what the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. And the guy was just standing there. And then his wife, she said, she put his, her hand on his shoulder and said, you know, and I wasn't there, so I'm, I'm just going to make something up, but you get the spirit of it. <laughs> this is a real true story. I just can't remember her exact words. So I don't want to say it. So I'm telling you in advance, it was something like this. God loves you. He knows what you're going through, and your wife loves you, and this big dude, <laughs> and, my, and the pastor's like, look at that, what, what am I, nothing? Oh, the word of God. God said, homie, you just be quiet. I'm going to minister to her. And the spirit of God broke this big brother down. Why? This is not words on a paper. It's alive. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to hold you tight. He wants to open your eyes up to your purpose. And so in these three verses we're going to look at in Galatians, we're going to give you big picture about this book and this story. First, give you context. Galatia, Galatians is a book to people in a place called Galatia. And they received the gospel from Paul this way. That even though there was a law, the Old Testament law, they said you had to do this, 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 you had to do this. Jesus came and said, now that you understand the standard of holiness is very high and that you cannot fulfill the law, you cannot do all those things perfectly. I am going to die for you and fulfill the law for you. And all you have to do is surrender your life to me. And by grace, you will be accepted by God, not from your doing the law right. In other words, when you hear people say, I'm a good person. So God will accept me. They're saying that I have done enough good things to outweigh my bad that God will, forgive, will, will accept me. God accepts nobody based on that basis. You can never do good enough to, be, to deserve God's forgiveness. So just stop. It doesn't mean don't stop doing good. It means stop trying to prove that you are good enough to God. Just receive salvation by free, by faith. Why? Because Jesus came when the law established you had to do all these things to prove God, which basically said you can't. And the law said there has to be bloodshed for you to be forgiven. Jesus then came and said, I am going to be the perfect fulfiller of the law. And I am going to shed my sinless blood and fulfill all the requirements of God's holiness. God desires a holy people. I am going to be that on your behalf. And I'm going to die on your behalf. And if you accept me by faith, you will be forgiven. And then I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. And you're going to even go beyond the law. What does that mean? The law says don't murder. So what you say, I never murdered anybody, so God won't send me to hell. God says, no, I don't want you. Not only do I not want you to murder, I don't even want you to hate. 
I've never committed adultery. I don't only not want you to commit adultery. I don't even want you to lust. <laughs> I, I never killed anybody. I don't even want you to talk ill about anybody. The law can't do that. That's what you're trying on your own behalf. The, the spirit of God can change your heart. So that's the gospel, is that God would change you, make you holy, that you wouldn't just do it on your own. Well, the Galatians knew that. But then someone got in and said, y'all need to obey the law. They tried to, to pervert the gospel and say, yeah, Jesus saves you, but you have to do all these things. And so Paul's writing to them to say, y'all need to get your gospel right. And he's going to review to them the gospel. The purpose of this book is that what I'm going to deduce from it is I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the role of the Father, the role of the Son, and the role of the Holy Spirit. In the story, this is the story. Let's look at chapter 4, verse 7. I'll read uh, verse 4. I'll read three verses, then we'll go one by one. Verse 4, it says, when the fullness of time had come. Everybody say fullness of time. Very good. And then it says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the, the adoption as sons and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart by which you cry out, Abba, Father. Number one in your notes, number one, the father is the author of the story. It says, when the fullness of time had come. In other words, there was the creation, there was man's sin, there was the creation of Israel in Genesis 12 with Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob had a, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He had 12 sons. And, and they all were the nation of Israel. God established the Old Testament law in Israel so people could understand his character. Then the law was proven not to be, it was too difficult to do. And then when God decided all that played out, he said, now it's time to send the son. It's a story. And I'm going to send my son Jesus, who is going to be a living example of the Old Testament law. His life is going to fulfill all the, the, the feasts and the holidays and the whole sacrificial system. By the way, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament law was you had to kill animals and shed blood for the forgiveness of sin. When the Jews were in Egypt, in slavery, God said, I want you to kill a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the door. Everyone say blood of the lamb. Guess what Jesus said when he was baptized? The blood, the, the lamb of God. The, when John Baptist baptized Jesus, Jesus, he said, the, the Lamb of God. What does that mean? I am the one who's going to die, and my blood is going to cover your sin, and the angel of death will pass over you. So the Father said, I am the author. The Father said, I have a timetable. God has a plan. He's the one who sent the Son at the right time. He's the one who sent the Holy Spirit at the right time. He's the one who said, I am going to glorify my Son. I'm going to lift my name, my Son's name above every name. The Father had the plan. He's executing the plan. God has a plan for your life. Right now you are sitting in church in July 2016 and your life is on a schedule. Whether you were with that schedule or not, I don't, understand, I don't know. But today you are alive and you are able to hear the gospel and receive the gospel. The question is, will you receive the gospel? Will you understand that God is trying to draw you into relationship, that you cannot do good enough for, to, to approve yourself for God and to earn his love? It is a gift. Number two in your notes, 
The son is the main character in the story. The son is the main character. Now, when you think of Jesus, you think, oh, he was born of a virgin. Matter of fact, look what it says in verse 5, verse 4. It says in the Bible, when the fullness of time had come, the father, God sent forth the son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Do you know that God says, I'm going to send my son Jesus. He is going to live 33 years just like you. He's going to be tempted in every way just like you. He's going to love the people that hated him. He's going to forgive the people who betrayed him. He's going to heal the sick, heal the blind, raise the dead. He's going to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God. That's what I want for you. And he's going to tell you everything you see me doing, you can do. That's what God wants for you. But Jesus didn't come onto the scene when he was born of Mary. Jesus is in the Old Testament. Why? Because Jesus is eternal. When Moses spoke to the burning bush, Moses said, who are you? He says, I am that I am. That's my name. Can you imagine, ladies, can you imagine meeting a guy in a grocery store? <laughs> Starbucks, you're getting ready to buy your flappage. Uh, Flappuccino. <laughs> Flappuccino. <laughs> and the guy asks you your name and you just kind of flick your hair. If your hair is flickable. And he said, what's your name? And you said, you know, my name is whatever your name is. And you said, what's your name? And he said, I am that I am. Jesus was in uh, Genesis chapter 32 when Jacob wrestled with him all night. Jesus was in the fire in Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus was in the lion's den with Daniel in Daniel chapter 6. He was the commander of the armies of the living God in Joshua chapter chapter 5. He's all over the Old Testament. In Genesis 18, he spoke to Abraham, walked up to Abraham, had a conversation with Abraham, and told him he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, which he did. So he's all over, but he came as a man, and he lived 33 years. And not only did he die for us, he died as us. I am going to die in your place. And that if you confess with your mouth that I am Lord and believe in your heart God raised you from the dead, you will have relationship with God. God doesn't want you coming to the Rock Church every two, every two or three weeks saying, okay, I checked the box. God's like, that's religion. I don't want that. I want relationship. You can't. Do enough good things to earn God's love. My grandson is two years old. He and my wife and I have had him for the weekend. We can't wait for my son to get home. (laughs) Oh, snap. (laughs) We love taking care of him. But he's in that diabolical two-year-old satanic, you're a sinner from birth age. We love the brother, but he's, he's discovered the word no. He discovered, ah! <laughs> we were out in the back yesterday. I had I, I worked out, and I took my shirt off, and I was out in the back with him, and, and he went, fat body. <laughs> Where'd you learn those words, you little? No matter what he says, no matter what he does, no matter how much he cries, no matter how, he st- we still love him. Don't think God loves you, you because you earned it. 
Number three, the Holy Spirit guides us in the role of our role in the story. The Holy Spirit is your guide. The Father said, it's time, Jesus, go. The Father, Holy Spirit, it's time, go. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth, everyone say spirit of truth. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Father will send the Spirit of God and will guide you through your life. Every single one of you is on a journey, and you have either given God the Heisman and said, God, not now, not now, not now. At some point, you need to say, God, now. I surrender my life to you. Because life is going to wear you down. You've heard that, that line, God will never give you more than you can take. That's only partially true. When I, was, when I was in college, we were working out. We were doing bench press. And um, I jumped in and, and well, all these guys a lot stronger than me. And we didn't, we didn't, I didn't warm up properly. And so, we, you know, we started out, I can't remember when we started out, maybe 205 and then 305, 405. And then it was like 800 pounds I was benching. <laughs> Billy Ray. <laughs> so we were benching, right? And, and, and it, was like, it was like 225 pounds. And my hands were way out here. And I wasn't warmed up. And I went down. And, and it was about the, the 27, 37th rep. My pec, which used to be this big, <laughs> pectoral major, my, this muscle right here is your pec. It was like that big. Just side, give you a side, it was like that. <laughs> and I pushed it up and it ripped off the bone. No lie. <laughs> it was, I almost threw up. It was so painful. And I screamed and they thought I was screaming because I was like, ah, 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 you know, just kind of working out. And I was screaming because I was like, mommy, my mommy. <laughs> And it came down because in an instant my brain said, if you drop this on your throat, you're going to die. So you better push again. So I pushed again and screamed again and it ripped again. Make a long story short, that was more than my chest could bear. Now this is going to my senior year. I'm going to the NFL. I literally took me a month just to do that. Um, Things worked out. However, if you don't trust God... Life will crush you. And you say, well, God, God will never give me more than I can bear. If you trust him. If you trust him. But if you don't trust him, you will get more than you can bear. The weight of the world will destroy your life. This book says you don't have to have, you don't have to do that. God wants relationship with you. But you have to do it on his terms. He is not going to have a relationship with you on his terms, on your terms. My, my son and I, my grandson and I were in, in, a, in, a, in a, a war yesterday. He, it was time for him to go to bed. He doesn't want to go to bed. He's stalling. He's crying. He's, he's doing all his, he's got like 20 tricks to have not to go to bed. And I had his milk, and I sat on the couch. He didn't want me to give him his milk. He wanted my wife to give him. I said, no, I'm giving you milk, and we're, and we're sitting right here. And he sits over there. No. I said, no. 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 
right there. This isn't, and then he says, my, I said, he says to me, my house. <laughs> you are out of your mind. <laughs> this is my house. Actually, it's the bank's house. <laughs> I put the, put the cup there, and I said, we are not doing this your way. So he gets up, he cries, he walks over there, he laughs, he, he plays, he goes to his grandma. I said, you can try all that. I ain't moving. We'll come right here. And he finally comes over. God's not doing it your way. God's not doing it your way. It ain't going to happen. In a minute we're going to pray and you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, um, I want to I play my role in the story, which is your child. You are the parent. You're my dad. And I want to surrender my life to you. If you don't, then you're on your own. But don't think you'll come, don't come, give a little bit, don't give, and God's going to say, oh, you're good. No, no, no. God just said, you're just playing a game, and I already know the game. So in all the campuses, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to listen very carefully. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. The Bible says that God so loved you, you. You could insert your name. He has so loved you, he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not die, but have eternal life, abundant life. God knows everything about you. There is no secret, and he loves you anyway. It does not mean he approves of you, what you've done. It just means he's willing to overlook it if you surrender your life to him. But he will do it only on his terms. If you believe Christ loves you and you would like to ask him to forgive you of your sin, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, Please forgive me of my sin. Please, I acknowledge Jesus as my Savior. I believe he died and rose from the dead for my sin. And that he is Lord. Jesus, please forgive me. Please come live in my heart. And be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. In all our campuses, if you prayed that prayer, if you're in Juvenile Hall, if you're in Boston, wherever you are, New York, Philly, Baton Rouge, Dallas, Minneapolis, Buffalo, the Philippines, If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand up here in a minute. And by standing, you are acknowledging you are giving your life to Jesus. You are saying to the Lord, Lord, here I am. I want to enter into your story your way. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up. By standing, you are making a public declaration. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. Eyes closed, heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, just everyone's heads bowed. Eyes closed, but sit up in your seat, put your booty back in your seat, and get ready to stand up. 
On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand if you prayed that prayer. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet if you prayed that prayer. God bless you. 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 Stay standing. God bless you. 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 Stay standing. Very good. God bless you. We see you all over. Now in a minute, I'm going to ask all y'all who are standing in a minute. God bless you. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to come down to the altar. If you're in the balcony, all you have to do is turn around and walk up and the ushers will bring you down. So right now, if you're standing up, come out of your seat. Come on down to the altar and let's give them a big hand as they come on down. God bless you. Stay right there. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> hey, how are you? God bless you. 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 I was watching you all service. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Can I get you? God bless you. 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 Amen. Let's give them all a big hand. Come on, let's give them a big hand. You may be seated. I want to challenge you to read this book. Where do I start? The beginning. Anywhere. Just read. And ask it questions. Write down your questions. Every week we're going to give you a devotional. Go to our Facebook page, sign up for the email, get it. And every day, the devotional is going to be related to what we talk about so you can practice every day. Amen? We have a bookstore with a ton of books in there about the Bible. But if you're not reading this, the Bible, the devil will tell you what it says. And he will never tell you the truth. It'll sound like the truth, but it won't be the truth. Amen? Let's give these people a big hand. Come on. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> hey, God bless you. 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 How are you? God bless you. 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 Everyone come forward. Come forward. Here we go. Here we go. God bless you. 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 Come here. I just want to get some of that. I want to get some of that. Okay. Y'all come down this way. Move down this way. So the people come down this way. Come down this way. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We're going to pray for all these people. Hello. Hello. God bless you. God bless, God bless you too. We're going to pray for all these people and then we're going to usher them into a room back there that cannot hold them. And then after that, 
Pastor Greg, yeah, I said that the room can't hold it. They go outside and, and the counselors will be with them. Uh, and then Pastor Greg will pray for us. Come back next week. We're going to continue this series. Do your homework. Read the Bible. Pray for our country. Um, you, we have the privilege of being living during this time. I don't know what the future holds, but it's not what it was six months ago. And so, but if, you, if you're here, you're right where God wants you. Lord, I pray for all these people who have come. I pray you bless them. I pray you encourage them. Lord, I pray that we would stand as a people of God on the word of God. Not on fear, not on gossip, not on hearsay, but we would know what you say. And we would read your word and we would trust it. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're going to do right now. If you're new, it's not time to leave. What we're going to do is all these people are going to go into that room and we're going to cheer for them and celebrate their decision. So take a right turn, everybody, and walk this way. Mm-hmm.